Hey, good morning, everyone. Good to see you, family, in the Lord. Um, I see a lot of you are sporting sandals today. And it made me think of um, prayer this morning with um, people praying for service today because someone has had feet on her mind and um, meditating upon that. And um, it made me think of a passage near where we're going to be today in Isaiah 55, but um, just how the Lord views the feet of those, um, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach um, going throughout the mountains, um, the good tidings of, of good things, and how pleased the Lord is when um, his children who confess his name preach um, his good His goodness and his, his gospel. So I encourage you, when you look at your feet, to think about the gospel and stuff. But um, also in prayer this morning, um, I um, had just the thought that uh, joy was coming up a lot and, um, and peace and, um, and, and with that too, like wisdom was one. But uh, it made me think of, um, what is it here? Um, Romans chapter 5, verse, oh, I forget the address, but it says, now may the God of hope, I think it's like 1513 maybe, I don't know, but may the God of hope um, fill you with all joy and peace in believing, joy and peace in believing, uh, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, in light of the message that I'm hoping to get through with you this morning from Isaiah 55, I think that that is um, in line with um, the message, the joy and peace in believing. So you probably, on your bulletins, write that in, Isaiah 55, joy and peace in believing. And um, that's what God has in view here for everyone. He wants you to be um, having, he wants you to know you have a hope. He wants you to have joy and peace in him, in believing in him, that you may abound in that. So let's, um, with that in mind, just open in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, just thank you for this day where we can get together as your children and just um, eat from your word. And um, your word is um, what we live by. Um, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from you. And um, we just pray that um, you would have your way with your word. Um, which is effective and living and powerful, and that um, you would just bless this time. In your name we pray. Amen. So um, Isaiah chapter 55, if you have your Bible and would like to follow along, you're welcome to. I'm just going to read through initially the whole chapter, and then we can uh, look into it more in depth after that. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me, here, and your soul shall live. 
and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people and a leader and a commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as rain comes down and snow from heaven, and you do not and do not return there, but waters the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So God is good, amen? Um, that's what my four, now four-year-old, it's her birthday today, daughter Hope uh, told me to talk about a couple of weeks ago. I was just um, trying to prepare a message, and she was at the dinner table, and I asked her um, what I should share about, and she said, just tell, tell them that God is good. And that's pretty right on. If you like, look at this chapter, does, can you not like see that God is benevolent in this chapter? It's just so inviting. Come to me, come to me. I, I have this provision for you and, and my word and this joy and peace and the abundant life for you. And uh, it's to everyone. So God is good, and that's what I'm going to share with you today about. So in verse 1, um, the first word is ho. And... Um, it's not something we usually say today. Um, it's like an older, I would uh, guess, word. But looking it up, the um, was it Merriam-Webster's dictionary said it's a word that's used to attract attention. Um, so sometimes it's used after a word indicating a destination or a direction, like uh, land ho or westward ho. But in this context, the destination and or the direction would be to God and his spirit, his word, his salvation, and ultimately his son Jesus. So it would be Jesus ho. That's what uh, John 14.3 you know, um, alludes to where um, 
Jesus says, uh, where I go, you know, and, and the way you go. And then the disciples like, what? And then Jesus is like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So not only is he the way, but he's the destination too. That's He's where we're going. It's, that's what heaven is, is being with Jesus. So um, this is the Old Testament plea to make um, to mankind. The New Testament plea would um, be... Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21, where it says that um, now then we are ambassadors of, of Christ as though God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Um, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And um, that is... The for there, for he made him who knew no sin, that is the revealed gospel, which Jesus said in John 12, 32, um, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. And um, right there is the revealed gospel that is God's demonstrated love on the cross that um, all men must deal with and um, that they have uh, an invitation from God to come and be made righteous by that. Uh, so, what are they going to do? Are, are we going to listen to him? Just like Isaiah 55 says here. If you'll listen to God's pleas, as he says, uh, ho, and, and you come to him like he asks you to here, you will not come into his judgment, but will have passed from death to life, where you will not hear, as the scripture says in other places in regards to wrath and judgment, his woes. If you listen to his plea to ho and come, then you won't hear his whoa, whoa, whoa when you're in trouble because he doesn't want that for you. So the next word is everyone, and um, everyone here means everyone. I'm glad you picked up on that. It was meant to be uh, sarcasm a little bit there. Um, it doesn't mean every nation. Um, some would like to say it's just pointing out every nation, but not everyone necessarily inside those nations. That's not implied there. They like to point to the previous chapter, speaking of Israel enlarging their place and that nations would run to them, um, that they would, their descendants would inherit the nations. But um, the rest of that chapter would talk about um, that, that God's faithfulness to Israel and that he's not going to forsake them. His covenant is not going to be moved away from them. Um, there's nothing that would suggest it would be for nations, and I think it's a weak attempt that they would try to do that. Um, this is a universal invitation for every girl, boy, race, nationality, people, every single person. And... Um, there's other verses like we alluded to before also, like John 12, 32. Like, all is all. Everyone is everyone. Whosoever is whosoever. And you don't try to make it a different sense than what it, it says. That's nonsense, you know? So, um, next it says, ho, everyone who thirsts. And I think thirst is not only a desire, like we desire water when we're thirsty, but it's also a need. And uh, thinking about thirst that we have, um, 
for God, it's uh, like the, the Ten Commandments, the, the law of God. It, it says that it's our tutor to lead us to Christ. It shows us our need for Christ. But I think somewhere between the, the need being shown to us, that there's the free will that man has been given to make a choice to see our need and either harden ourselves and callous ourselves to that need and um, not receive the waters here that God is offering, which will make us moldable. And otherwise, if we reject God's showing us our need for him, will become harder and harder as we don't receive the waters that he has for us. Uh, so with that desire, I'd like to touch on Hopefully, um, the time that we have here, quickly, something that I feel is important to talk about because there is a philosophy out there, a systematic, that claims that man's wanter is broken and that they can't desire God. Only certain pre-selected, before-time individuals are allowed by God to desire him and the rest the dirty little secret is that he hates and this is where like my daughter hope asked me to talk about god is good the rubber meets the road the character of god he is good and that is not the god i read about in the bible so we're gonna we're gonna look at that because it's important and it is a side issue if you will but um we need to address it as a family because a healthy family talks about the issues. If we suppress the issues, then it becomes a problem like we've seen um, in our friendships and congregational settings. And so just going to briefly touch on, on this. So I think I have way too much content for the time I have. I'm sorry that I'm probably not going to get all what... I was hoping, but I think that the Lord will bless it. So, um, The character of God. God is good. And that is, is what Hope told me to talk to you about. And um, it's right on. So God's goodness, it's not so much seen in his abilities, but his choices, his character. Like a president, he can rule, but that doesn't, show that he's good. His choices in his ruling shows his character. The nature and really the character of God is front and center on the line um, when it comes to this philosophical system um, encapsulated in the um, acronym TULIP, um, also known as uh, Reformed Theology or Calvinism. Uh, in my... Um, opinion, it makes God malevolent, malevolent, not benevolent. And malevolent means it, it's uh, having or showing a wish to do evil to others, hating. Um, they take that from Romans 9, which I'm glad that my brother Joel shared about a month ago, um, setting straight how Romans 9 ought to be interpreted and not done um, injustice to, in which this is what they do, is they say God hates, because it said that of uh, Esau, and that that's speaking of all the reprobate of 
you know, before time. And um, that's not that's not what we see God. Um, but um, to for me to stand here and say that God loves everybody, that you can sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, uh, assuredly. Um, this system would say that I believe in greasy agape, that, that, you know, I believe that God just loves everyone, and that that's a bad thing, but it's not. Um, this system says that God uses his sovereignty. Uh, it's not biblical. It says that God has determined where every individual will go before they were born, whether heaven or hell, based solely on his sovereign decree, and nothing to do with the true responsibility that we actually are responsible because we have a God-given ability. Um, he has given mankind to place um, faith in him, the ability, um, and in his gospel. Not only that, it says that God also used his sovereignty to the extent that he has decreed everything everyone would do, which would definitely implicate God as the cause for all the evil ever done, although they would reject that and they would just claim it's a mystery that how that would happen. But um, from the fall of Lucifer to Adam and Eve and, and all mankind since, um, John Calvin and John Piper agree to this being the case, but many other would deny it. Um, that God by his decree for all, that they would have to do what he decreed he is ultimately responsible for all, even though denying this is inconsistent with their system. So, um, been blessed lately. Want to shout out um, Soteriology 101 um, website. It's a brother in uh, Texas who's a professor at Trinity College and does apologetics there. Um, he's one of the few non-Calvinists that I've seen have a lot of good podcasts and articles on this subject, so I'd um, recommend that if you're interested and um, on this subject at all, um, just rightly dividing the word of truth and stuff like that. Um, John Piper's ministry, and I know this is kind of beating a dead horse or preaching to the choir or something for a lot of you because you know the truth, but... Um, I just want to encourage you to be steadfast in the truth, you know, because there is a wind of doctrine going out there. And um, the Bible says that God's given us his word and pastors and teachers that we wouldn't be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And that's what I believe this is. It's just flamed up and it's spreading. And they would like to say it's because it gives a greater view of God and his sovereignty and you know, they have the answers to election and predestination and, and stuff. And, and we believe in sovereignty. We believe in election. We believe in predestination. But we're using different dictionaries. you got to define the terms and stuff like that. And so for you guys, I want to share this with you to be standing strong, stand fast, put on the armor of the Lord, and not be uh, deceived by the wiles of the devil and um and uh, not be children tossed to and fro for the lost, I would say to you, you who don't know the Lord, who haven't come to the Lord yet, that there's hope for you. It's not just a really small percentage of a few that you might someday, peradventure, be, ha have been one of the luck lucky lottery winners who have precariously been picked before time and have a small chance of being regenerated someday. There is a hope for you that 
it's a sure hope that Jesus died for you. He loves you. If you're a you and you're hearing this now. And um, so I forget the other group. I think it's in here. So the lost and to the one who's erring, which would be the one holding this system. I have friends that just bought into it. And, um, you know, we've all, I think, if you've been in this congregation for a while, have um, seen its effects. And um, what's our heart to be to people who believe this? It's, it's got to be like what the Lord's is. It's love, right? God's character is love. And his, his character is to have compassion. And James 3, it, we, this is where wisdom and prayer, like, was like, oh, yeah, that, I'm glad Mark prayed for that for me because um, there's a wisdom from earth that's uh, sensual, demonic, and um, there's a wisdom from God, from his spirit, that's pure and gentle, peaceable. And um, we need to seek to be of that spirit, of the Lord's spirit. And Second Timothy chapter 2 talks the same of, of that, which says that... Uh, in, in the Lord's house, we're the Lord's house, and so are these guys. A lot of them, are, I don't know everyone's heart, but um, I'm not casting out the kingdom for having a bad philosophy, you know. And um, the thing is, Jesus is our foundation. He's the one we put our faith in. He's the solid rock. We stand on him. And then it says there, to take heed how you build upon Paul said, that foundation. And I just believe these guys are building badly. And um, we need to have compassion on them. And, you know, I think they're just being deceived. They're being ripped off from that joy and peace that I doubt I'm going to get to in Isaiah 55. But, um, you know, really just, it's about, I'll get there, I'll get there. I'm going on some dovetails here. <laughs> but um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 we're in, we're in the Lord's house, right? And he's got, it says, vessels for honor and dishonor. If you cleanse yourself from being a dishonorable vessel, then you'll be fit for use. And then, um, so that being the case, how do you do that? Well, taking heed according to his word, being a student, rightly dividing his word of truth, um, just seeking to be approved by, by him that, that what you're really believing is really true, that you're not being deceived with any philosophies, presuppositions, or anything like that. And we're not perfect. We're all, we don't know the Lord perfectly. Like it says here in 55, um, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Higher than the heavens are his ways and thoughts than ours. But is that saying that we shouldn't seek him? No, it's just, I think, an admonition that as we're seeking him, that we do it humbly and um, that we know that we don't know it all. So we need to be humble and, and, and do that. But there in Second Timothy, it says that a servant of the Lord must be gentle and um, not quarrelsome, able to teach, that perhaps um, those who have been taken captive by the devil, um, that uh, they, they have lost their senses about them because they've been taken captive. So they're captive. And we need to have compassion on them because they're being deceived by the devil. And um, that might be um, viewed by some as being pretty dogmatic to say that. But I believe that the scriptures as a whole are clear enough 
that you can dive in and see that, yeah, God's character is good. So let's look at that. Um, now this is the view that they hold that shows, and they all have different, there's different subgroups within, you know, their beliefs, which, but this is true hard determinism, which says that God determines everything. And some people call themselves compatibilists, where they try to say that man has free will, but really it's not. It's just that God massages and conditions their will to choose according to what God would have them want to choose. So choice, like I said, it's a different dictionary. It's not really a choice because you don't have two options. It's just the one option that God is making you do. It's just a different way of getting there. So these guys are like the true guys holding to the system, and this is what they said. John Piper, um, this is from his ministry website, and also I heard audio of this. He said, and I quote, God brings about all things in accordance with his will. In other words, it isn't just that God manages to turn the evil aspects of our world to good for those who love him. It is rather that he himself brings about these evil aspects for his glory and his people's good. This includes as incredible and as unacceptable as it may currently seem, God's having even brought about the Nazis their brutality at Birkenau and Auschwitz. That's our God. As well as the terrible killings of Dennis Radar and even the, uh, there's children here, the abuse of um, young children. Uh, I'll leave it at that. John Calvin taught, and so is that the character of our God as you read in the Bible? No. Amen. John Calvin taught how foolish and frail is the support of divine justice afforded by the suggestion that evils come to be not by his will, but by his permission. It is quite frivolous refuge to say that God, this is an old word, otiosly permits them when scripture shows him not only willing, but the author of them. Who does not tremble at these judgments? with which God works in the hearts of even the wicked, whatever he will, rewarding them nonetheless according to desert. Uh, I'll pause there within his quote because um, that want, that's like the dictionary thing I was talking about. It's like man's responsibility. We both say that we believe in it. But for us who are non-Calvinists, we believe that responsibility is truly free will choice, that we have the ability to respond. And right here it says um, that he rewards them nonetheless according to desert, um, according to their merit. So their version of man's responsibility is more like they're accountable for their sin even though they're not given the ability to not do that. So that's the difference between the two responsibilities. Um, again, it is quite clear from the evidence of Scripture, he says, that God works in the hearts of men to incline their wills just as he will, whether to, go to good for his mercy's sake or to evil according to their merits. And that was John Calvin. So this means that um, God works evil in people according to his will. But God is holy. He is not tempted by evil, and no shadow of turning is in him. And he doesn't tempt to do evil. 
All right, where are we going to go? I have to cut some stuff out here. Uh, I think that we can give it into more. I have like more on the sovereignty and free will of man. I'm not going to get into. Um, I'm just going to read this by A.W. Tozer here. Uh, he had a couple good quotes. Um, one is, God sovereignly decreed that man should be free to exercise moral choice. And man from the beginning has fulfilled that decree by making his choice between good and evil. When he chooses to do evil, he does not thereby countervail the sovereign will of God, but fulfills it. Inasmuch as that the eternal decree decided not which choice the man should make, but that, the, but that he should be free to make it. If in his absolute freedom, God has willed to give them limited freedom, who is there to stay his hand or say, what do you do? Man's will is free because God is sovereign. A God less than sovereign could not bestow moral freedom upon his creatures. He would be afraid to do so. Um, and then, like I said before, the mystery of Calvinism is, how is God not implicated in or responsible for or the author of evil? And the mystery to man having a free will is why some will repent and believe and why others will become calloused, hardened, and ultimately re rebellious and disobedient to the gospel their entire life. Personally, the mystery attached to free will is more palatable for me in that it jives with scriptures and doesn't do damage to the character of God, making the holy, holy, holy evil, making God who is love one who is predominantly one who hates with a passion because the road is broad that leads to destruction, so you would have to say that. And not only that, it makes sense for that reconciliation between God and man involved two parties. Um, God who chooses to be gracious and save and man who responds to the love of God, his mercy and grace with repenting and believing, placing your faith and trust in Christ. Thanks be to God, to the praise of the glory of his grace, we are able to obey the gospel because he's shown us his, his word and his grace. And so that doesn't mean that salvation is of us for responding to his saving work. Um, it's by his grace. It's through faith in Jesus. It's his work and his word. Um, that's something that is argumented to... Um, make us choose one or the other, like, as if it's a choice, like, um, but we all agree that God saves. It's not that because we believe that we're capable, as God commands us to place faith in him, that we deserve any credit for it. Romans, I believe it's um, in chapter 4 and 5, says that faith is not counted as a work. Um, and there it says that believing Abraham is our father because place faith in it. And, um, and God, and, um, and it was a credit to him for righteousness. And uh, it's always been by grace through faith in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And um, so next, I think we're going to get back to Isaiah 55 now. Um, I'm going to skip some of the other stuff. But uh, the truth be told is that we all need the water of life. Um, so I kind of touched on those who, like, are coming to salvation, and um, the thing is, we're, I've given you all the benefit of the doubt. I don't know everyone here, but that 
you're here because you love the Lord and that you're saved. But um, I just felt the need to talk about that, how someone comes to the Lord and, and to, because it's a little bit philosophy, but if you need some good philosophy, if nothing else, just because there's bad philosophy out there and we need to um, combat that so that we can um, not let them be wise in their own opinions and um, and show how how the Bible is saying that God is love. But um, now that's that's for the you would say maybe more coming to salvation, but we're saved already. So that's for this chapter is for people to get justified, to get saved, and having been saved to walk in that salvation also too because um, it talks about coming to the Lord. Here it says, "Ho, everyone who thirsts. And so someone, before getting saved, they need to see their need and, and then have a desire to come to the Lord out of a um, repentant heart there in verse um, 7, it says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. That's repenting, agreeing with God about your sin. And um, coming to the waters. That's, um, I'm going to turn there here. I have the waters in scripture can be seen um, in John chapter 7 verse 37 and in Revelation 22:17 Jesus said if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink he who believes in me as the scriptures has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water so that is true for the one who needs to come to the Lord to be saved and be justified, and it's true for us who are daily needing the Lord to still, like having begun in the Spirit, are we going to be made perfect in the flesh? No, we need the Spirit of God, and we need to come to His waters and um, take heed according to His Word and um, be being filled with His Holy Spirit. Um, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17 And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. In Isaiah 55, it says, To come to the waters, to come buy and eat, to come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Um, there in Revelation 22, it says to come three times. Uh, it, but the first two is us saying to the Lord to come, but the third one is the Lord saying to man to come, which is a little different than here in Isaiah. But um, to come 
and take of the water of life freely. Um, it's not a price you can pay for it, uh, but it wasn't free, right? You know that. Anyone know that? Okay. What did it cost? It cost everything for God. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says... that Jesus indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world and that he was manifest in these last times for us who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that our faith and our hope are in him and right before that it says that uh, we know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from our aimless conduct received by tradition from our fathers, uh, an example like construction or technology or the trades or whatever, like the money we get from the work that we've received from our parents, you know, how we've been trained to work and the money that didn't buy us our redemption. But with verse 19, the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And um, he was foreordained before the foundation of the world to have done that. And, uh, and that is, is what God chose. Jesus is the chosen one. He is elect in First Peter over right there. Um, Right here, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Um, those who are elect are those who believe in, in Christ. Um, Ephesians 1 talks about being predestined, but it goes back to being in him throughout the whole chapter. And then it ends, whom you also trusted. So you see that there's the free will to trust, but um, that the predestination is that we're in him and that we be conformed to his image. Um, Romans chapter 8 verse 29 speaks of, of that being the purpose of predestination in Christ, which doesn't mean that it was forced to happen to you and pre-decreed before time, but just that it's the purpose of God that those who would believe in Christ, who was foreordained before the foundation of the world to be crucified for the world. John three seventeen. That, uh, well, I'll back up so I can remember it better. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, whoever is actually whoever. And I won't even get off on that. But um, maybe I will. Yeah, I will. Um, for God so loved the world. Uh, the world there is cosmos, and, and these guys would like to make cosmo, uh, cosmos mean elect. So, for God so loved the elect that he gave his only begotten son, and they get rid of whosoever, that believing. So, for God so loved the elect that he gave his only begotten son, that believing you wouldn't perish but have eternal life. It makes the gospel a little different, doesn't it? 
And the other thing, too, is it's not that you put your faith in Christ and you're saved. It says you have to be regenerated before you put your faith in Christ so that you can be saved. So you've got to get saved before you can get saved. But you can't get saved. God forces you to be saved against your will. You know, it's not biblical. You don't see that in Scripture. You don't. Um, it, it's the ordo salutis, which means order of, of salvation. Uh, Leighton Flowers taught me that. But um, it's one of those Latin or Greek terms, but it sounds cool. But that's the order of salvation you see in Scripture. And so there's just a lot of things that are conflated, which means... I think just messed up where you know they say it has to be this way or that way but it's just getting stuff wrong but anyways John 3:16 verse after that is John 3:17 which says for he did not send his son into the world are we going to make world there mean elect too or not um because it's I'm pretty sure speaking about the incarnation here so why in the previous verse do you need to make cosmos mean elect but not here so he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world. You know, they weren't predetermined, hated, degenerate, damned people for eternity. That's not our God of love. Um, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, that they might. And that might is because that God has given us um, autonomy, which were independent of being controlled by him. Um, Psalm 115 says that in verse 3 that God rules in the heavens, but in verse 16 it says that uh, he's given man the earth, which we ultimately forfeited to the devil um, when we fell into sin. So now he's, all the evil you see going on so much today is not just because of fallen, fallen humanity, but because the principalities and powers that be are given dominion. And right there is a point, too. If God's will was being done as he decreed perfectly, why would Jesus pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Because it's being done. You know what I mean? Jesus needs to learn how to pray better, I guess. But... um. Sorry, I might be a little harsh for some people that might watch someday, but um, so I forget where we were at. I think Isaiah 55, right? Oh, everyone who thirsts, God's plead and desire is that everyone would thirst. Not just who thirst, but that they would thirst. He wants you to come to the waters. He wants you to see your need for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. Um, waters in the Bible, in Hosea, um, is seen as rain. Uh, no, that's righteousness in Hosea, that he would rain his righteousness. Here in chapter 55, verse 10 and 11, um, the word of God is seen as rain, which is a form of water. Um, God's voice in Ezekiel 43 says it sounds like many waters. And I know in the previous chapter, Isaiah 54, God said that this is like the waters of 
Noah to me, which he said that he promised his mercy that he wouldn't send a flood again to destroy the whole earth, um, likening that to that he would not, he promised that he would not like um, cut off Israel, but that his covenant would remain with them forever. You know, th- his, his promises, his word. Um, so in uh, John chapter four, you see the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan living in sin, and she um, had like four husbands, and the one she was with now was not her husband. And, and Jesus went to go talk to her, and she was surprised that he would talk to her. Um, but Jesus, um, he knew her heart. Verse 10 talked about that because he said, like, if, if, you knew, if you knew who it was who spoke to you, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So he, he knew her heart and her desire that if she knew him, that she would ask him for what he had, you know? And, um, and then the woman said in the next verse, you have nothing to draw with. This is a deep well. How will you give me this water? But she was talking physically. But Jesus, spiritually, he draws with truth. Um, and, and he taught her and shared the truth with her and, and revealed to her who he was that um, drew her um, to drink of, of the water. And, um, and she went. She believed. She went and told the whole town of, could this be the Christ? And, and they all came out. Um, in John 6, verse 44, it says, uh, unless the Father draw them, um, that they won't come. And the next verse, it's not very mysterious, actually, what draw means. Um, some, like I've talked about today, would like to say that drawing is an irresistible, regenerative, um, thing that God does for the chosen few, you know. But the next verse in chapter 6 of John, verse 45, drawing simply means being taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And in this context, the Jews had for a long time rebelled and hardened their heart to God. And the religious leaders, one chapter earlier, Jesus said to them, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe, you who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Secret, there reminds me of Romans 2 where it says that mankind's accountable for the revelation that God has given them um, and that those who seek for honor, immortality, eternal life through patient continuing and do good um, and then those who... Um, not knowing that the goodness of God leads them to repentance, they're treasuring up for themselves wrath and indignation against the day of wrath. Um, So 
here seeking the honor that comes only from God. And was it the good works there in Romans 2 that there was, you know, is that why um, they would uh, be saved? It's not. It's because, like in James says, that faith works with works. It's, it's not saved by works, but if you believe, then you will be doing. And um, stuff, so coming back here to the wrapping up, the woman at the well, she thirsted. Jesus seen it, and just like Isaiah 55, he and John 6, he drew through teaching her to the truth of who he is, the provision, the water, the milk, the wine, the bread, the word of God. John chapter 6 is about um, Jesus, verse 63, that the words that I speak to you with are spirit and, uh, and life. Um, he's the bread that come down from heaven is John chapter 6. And, and it's not only his word, that he speaks, that is our bread. The written word is our bread. Man should not live by bread alone, but um, his body is our bread. Communion today. Um, it's um, the provision that's come down for the life of the world, that the Father gives to the, for the life of the world. And um, so the invitation is clear to everyone throughout Scripture. Uh, especially to be seen here in Isaiah 55, that God wants you to come. He wants you to thirst. He wants you to freely come to the waters of eternal life, of his spirit, and, and to be saved from your sin, to call upon him, to seek him. Um, but here it says, to buy wine and milk, without money and without price? Well, you don't have money, how can you buy, right? It's, it's free, so you just take it. It's, you're receiving it. Just like Jesus and, and um, eternal life, it's free. It, it, didn't, it wasn't that it didn't cost anything. But now the thing is, eat, appropriate it. It's up to you. Like John 3 3.14 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him would not perish. The snake bites in the wilderness. The Israelites were dying. God gave provision. Look, here's a snake on a pole, a bronze snake. It's to represent sin, the snake being judged and Jesus became that snake as he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God placed the sin of the world on Jesus and he suffered our wrath and judgment on the cross. And all God says is that's my provision, their salvation, believe. Look, look. There were thousands of people who didn't look and they died, but that was... That was on them. God gave the provision. And Sam, like the Passover, um, they had to apply the blood to the doorpost and the angel of death would fly over the 10th plague, I think, of, of, of Egypt. So you see man's responsibility to apply the provision and grace that God gives. You need to eat it. You need to drink it. You need to come, 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 God says. He said it three times because he really means it. 
and that he really has a super abundance of grace for you here. Um, and, and the wine, people say, like the communion could represent the um, blood of Christ um, available for you. But also um, they say that it represents joy also, which is how the chapter ends with joy. And milk, the um, pure milk of the word, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Um, there's so much here about coming to the Lord to hear his word in the scriptures, to listen carefully um, and, and to eat what is good, to let your soul delight itself in abundance and um, incline your ear. Come to me here and your soul shall live. Um, that means that you can hear if you do this, if you listen, and um, that he will make this everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David. And God's word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, Hebrews 5 tells us to, um, by reason of use, that we should have our senses exercised in the word of God, that um, we could discern between good and evil. And so having desired the pure, pure milk of the word, um, we live by the word, um, as the bread that Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. But we need to be growing and maturing in our, um, as believers, um, consumption of the word of God, because we live by faith and not by sight. And uh, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so I just encourage you guys as, as believers to, be in the word, study to show yourself approved unto God, that uh, you need not be ashamed, that you rightly divide the word of truth. And, and that's how we're renewed. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, in light of God's mercy, I encourage you to read the two verses before chapter 12, 2. But in light of God's mercy, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by his mercies, to present yourselves a living sacrifice unto God. Um, I'll turn there can't remember it perfectly, but not being conformed to this world is what I'm getting at, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's done by the washing of God's word. So I encourage you guys just to be growing and blessed in God's word and the abundant life he has for you. And uh, he wants to bless you. He wants you to come to him. And he has just um, let your soul abundance... Um, let your soul delight itself in abundance in, in him and in his word. Amen. Amen. All right. Lord, thank you for this, uh, just uh, your word, for your grace, and uh, for the patience you give uh, these guys to listen to me. But uh, ultimately, Lord, um, they're listening because it's your word. And uh, just thank you that it's... Um, if efficient and effective to accomplish that for why you sent it and for what you please it to do. And uh, I just pray that uh, you would bless it. In Jesus' name, amen.